Welcome to episode 89 of Coffee Pods and Wads, sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, the ultimate fitness focused drink to support performance, and also kindly sponsored by Audi Clothing, a brand dedicated to helping you in your pursuit of success. They make products that support all active endeavors and create content that adds clarity and convenience to the self development process. Um, Nathan and BurrBoxCoachDevelopment.com are also on board. That course will help you develop as a coach in a personal sense through self-discovery while learning academically about the psychological side of coaching. And you can use the code PODS, all caps, for 20% off. Um, the gymnastics course are on board as well. And they will offer you 20% off any course that you wish to attend if you use the code PODS um, in an email to them uh, with your preferred date and course as well. Um, from February, there's going to be a giveaway available to patrons of the show um of free programming from the gymnastics program when they launch at the start of february uh you can sign up as a patron to support the show cover costs stuff like that um and be with a chance of winning in february and every second month thereafter through the website uh, coffeepodsandwads.com or if you go to instagram at coffeepodsandwads and head to the bio um, there's a link in there uh today's episode is with will morad uh will was 10th uh, fittest man in the world uh last year um completing a comeback from like a bizarre set of events and circumstances that almost left him out of the sport for good and um, we talk about that um along with other challenges uh, that he faced um how his comeback season felt uh, and finishing 10th in the world and his decision most recently to join shane or at proven uh, enjoy listen share and tag thanks man for doing this of course uh, I really appreciate it. We finally made it happen. Um, yeah, man, all over we've been all over the place. Man. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it was it was funny. So um just for I suppose anyone else who doesn't know, um we spoke like pre stage two, I think, or maybe pre stage one, and we were kind of back and forth about a date, and then I was like, Look, you know, relax and enjoy the ramp up to the games and everyone will talk afterwards, and then kind of both were busy and both forgot about it, and then <laughs> I saw uh, Proven put up a picture and it was like two big announcements coming and there was two silhouettes and I was like that fucking bottom one is Alex Smith I fucking know that's Alex Smith and I'm pretty sure that other one is Will Morad and I texted to one of my friends and I was like uh, you know like I just want to have it written down somewhere I'm not confident enough or like maybe ignorant enough to put it on my story and like out the two people that they're announcing. So I was like, I just want to say it to somebody that that shadow is definitely Alex Smith. And I'm pretty sure the other one is Will Morad. Yeah. And then I couldn't find it when it was announced Alex Smith. I was like, I fucking knew it. And I was like, if that one was Will Morad, I'm going to like scream. And then I couldn't find the text. And I was like searching through all my messages. So I put it up on my story being like, who, who was I talking to? Like who I've definitely said, this is someone who was it. So they put up with their story and tagged me in it, and then I sent it to you, and that's how we uh, we made things happen. So um, I think shadow identification. I'll have that in my Instagram bio. Hey, that's I mean that's pretty good. <laughs> I was actually doubly impressive because you're wearing a, wearing a weird jumper as well, so it kind of made it yeah. look like you're wearing a collar. And I was like, I've never seen him wear a collar. I've never seen anyone outside of like lacrosse teams wear a collar. I'm gonna start wearing just like collared shirts in the gym. Start a new trend. <laughs> um. Do you are you drinking coffee there now? Yep. Nice. What is it? It's uh there's like a local coffee shop in the town. Um, is it like that I live in. Uh it's kinda is it's called uh it it's a donut shop actually, itty bitty donuts, and they have this coffee company in their same oh, yeah. building called EMB Coffee. Um it's cool. It's like an old little house. I kind of live in like this little country town. 
um, maybe 20 minutes south of the gym we go to that's in Brentwood. Uh, so I'm kind of off in the, the new part of the suburbs, if you will. It's still pretty, pretty You're, tre- you're trend setting. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Um, we just actually got a new house in November. So oh, congrats. Yeah. Thanks. We, uh, we got the home gym set up and I'm actually in our like upstairs TV room, That's which is nice. More room to spread out. Um, do you, do you drink coffee like as a enjoyment thing or as like a, Oh, I need this now for an hour's time. Uh, I kind of like the ritual of it in the morning. Um, I'm not sponsored by this company, but Laird Hamilton is like this big wave surfer, his coffee. I just bought it. Um, it's like one of their blends and it's called a uh, boost. I swear by it, man. Usually I'm like a two coffee a day guy. I've been drinking a cup of that in the morning and I'm like good the whole day. Uh, this is my, I ran out two days ago. This is my second coffee, but I was doing a podcast and it gives me something to sip on. It's just not water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Um, I love hearing about guests, uh, like coffee memories. So most people, Chris Hinshaw took it really literally, um, and focused on an actual coffee that he had, like a, a, you know, a bean and a scenario around it. Um, but most people tend to think of like, uh, you know, somewhere they were or somewhere they, someone they were with or, you know, a piece of kind of maybe they heard some inter- information or something that changed things for them. Um, is there any, when you think of coffee, is there anything that springs to mind of a place or a person or a scenario that you're in? A lot, man, <laughs> a lot. Uh, specifically, I'm going to really throw it back just because we were on the Laird Hamilton train and it's like a Hawaii, Hawaii was on my mind. I was in Oahu for the Hawaiian VA championships. It was like a CrossFit event. This is 2015 um, for the veterans over there. There's a base. Um, And Pat Barber really rolled the clock back. He was out there with me. And we would go to this coffee shop in our hotel. And like this coffee was super, super juiced. Probably had like six a day. Pat is like, was crushing them and i'm like oh, i guess i'll do this too i've never had the shake so bad and you're like time to like i was jet lagged because it's however many hours um ahead of uh, or behind us i guess so yeah there's my coffee story um i drank way too much coffee with pat barber in oahu for four days or whatever we were there for <laughs> just overly caffeinated and shaking and- meeting people <laughs> yeah i remember we we went to uh like a coffee expo here in ireland myself my wife and we there was all samples at the different stand. you know you just different companies and you try a double espresso or whatever and like i started to feel really sick like you know that feeling in a nightclub where you're looking in the mirror going like come on you're fine it's fine you're everything's gonna... fine and their whole room is like totally yeah, I was like, there's something seriously wrong with me here. Like, and then I was at another counter and I said to a guy, I was like, geez, I don't know how people drink this much fucking coffee. Like, I like I legitimately feel sick. And he was like, Oh, you're not supposed to swallow it. Like, you're supposed it's like a wine tasting. You're supposed to like sip it and spit it out. And I was like yeah, yeah. double shots of espresso. I'd say out of a 20 shots of espresso. I had a nice little uh I so I had a day or I'd like three hours, I won't say a day, like three hours after Filthy 150 where I had to kill some time before my flight. So I just, I drove into Dublin and walked around and I got a coffee from some coffee shop there and just like walked around for three hours. So um, 
I had a nice little like coffee adventure in in Dublin solo yeah. for about three hours, which was great. Just kind of like stayed pretty close to the river. Um, yeah. But there's plenty of stuff to see around there. Yeah, I sent um, Tim Paulson on a little trek around. I kind of gave him like six different coffees, and I was like, "Go, go to this one, this one, this one." I think I don't know if he got to them all, but he definitely enjoyed the ones he went to Dublin. It's kind of yeah, it's got a good little good little coffee scene going. Um, I've heard you on a, you've you've done a good few podcast interviews. Um, yeah. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Uh, I, I was I listened to Joe Rogan. Um, if he has some guest that's intriguing yeah. to me, uh, I like it, listening to interviews, not necessarily like specific podcasts, but I like listening to interviews of people of interest. Um, not all the of them guests, are, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if, if someone's intriguing well. to me or they've done something cool, I'll like Google search them and listen to them speak rather than being like, a devout follower of a certain podcast. But I'd say if I, Joe Rogan's probably the podcast I've listened to the most as far as like one specific uh, podcast. He's, he's pretty entertaining, but I think he just switched over to Spotify or yeah, something. Yeah, he signed like, some like exclusive, like a ridiculous amount of money deal. So he's yeah. just doing everything now. Yeah, but um, I always go on to Spotify or, or Apple podcast and just search the name it's more entertaining if you do it on spotify because if you search the person's name episodes of podcasts will come up but also in some instances playlists will come up so someone might have a playlist on spotify and you really get an insight into what someone's like okay. if you listen yeah, to an, yeah. listen to an interview and also get to browse through their uh, playlist i don't have spotify man i'm like living in the stone ages yeah. <laughs> um, i'll download it yeah i've heard um so I've li i listened to a couple of your interviews the last few weeks okay. um and i i've seen you do you do a lot of kind of questions on instagram and stuff as well like you know the little question boxes and stuff is that like is that process of engaging is that something that like you enjoy doing or is it something that you maybe feel like a, an onus of responsibility to do um no i enjoy it like maybe there's some responsibility to like put myself out there or let the community know that, you know, I'm not just somebody who lifts barbells fast uh, because that's not really, what's that worth? Right. So um, I think it's important to like speak and, you know, articulate your thoughts and things like that, but it's fun. And some of the questions are great. Some of them are absolutely ridiculous. And I try to do a healthy balance of me trying to like not be too much of a smart ass when those stupid questions come up, but also letting people know that like, if they say something stupid, they're going to get a stupid answer because, <laughs> but for the most part, they're like, what's your diet? What's like, what supplements do you use? What's your training regimen? Stuff like that, that obviously I talk about all day, every day. Um, and I'm happy to share what's been successful for me in my process. Yeah, so I suppose it's, it's a fun. it's a an easy way to fulfill some of your like contractual obligations as well. If someone says, "What supplements do you use?" It's like, "Oh, brilliant! I can tag them in that story and then that story." Totally. I was talking to um, Royce Dunn there the other day, and I was like, he he put up a question box, and I commented in it and said, "You know, how many of these do you get? Like, you know, how many responses do you get?" And he replied and said, "Like, oh, a shit ton." And 
he's he said that he's usually nervous that it's just gonna nothing will happen and i get the same i've like obviously got way less followers than you but i'll put up a question thing and there's a, a genuine moment of trepidation where i'm like fuck what if no one responds and says maybe i should yeah <laughs> do you ever do you ever worry that like you'll only get stupid questions you'll get no questions or you know i suppose the benefit of it is only you can see the ones that come in so you can kind of filter them totally um no i've never been worried about that even when i like had less followers and that was like an option to do these q a's you get what you can get and if you leave it up long enough you'll get a few um i remember when it came out first like god it's, it's like you know when you look back on myspace or facebook or whatever and you see your old status and you're like what the fuck did i say that for like who thought that yeah. was a <laughs> idiot <laughs> i remember when i had like i'd say maybe 20 followers on like my normal my own page my personal page putting up a question box and i remember i vividly remember typing like okay let's do this as if like there was going to be an onslaught of questions that i wouldn't be able to handle like from my from like my mainly family members yeah i mean most people like follow my channel for fitness stuff yeah uh, unless it's like my family or you know friends that don't really care about crossfit at all so it's you kind of know like what questions you'll get um unless i mean some not all the time some questions people give me are like where what are you doing like you're definitely sitting in your cubicle trying to entertain yourself <laughs> like <laughs> yeah um you should do like a question box bingo you know like pre-prepare like pr write down questions that you think will come up and leave them somewhere and then do one and then check off however many questions you predicted that will come up and then if you get above a certain amount i don't know if you get below a certain amount right you have to do like 250 burpees or something That'd yeah like turn it into a fitness challenge yeah, yeah. <laughs> um speaking of fitness you played football when you were younger like soccer yeah yeah a lot i mean um you were you're pretty close like you had like trials and stuff you were like on the cusp yeah. of turning pro is that right yeah yeah so i uh i played soccer my whole life we're a soccer family my dad played professional a little bit my brother played division one soccer um and a little bit of semi-pro stuff in the summers and then obviously i, I was the youngest and i kind of followed in those footsteps and i uh had the opportunity to go to IMG Academy when I was in high school, which is a really elite. It was like essentially getting like they we didn't have the academy system like they do in Europe. So like if you got invited to IMG Academy, that's where the youth na youth national teams are. It is sport specific. Um, but who is it? like Josie Altador, Landon Donovan, like all the best guys traffic through IMG. Uh, even in tennis, like Andre Agassi. Maria Sharapova, like all those, that's the sport academy in the States. So I went there um, and then went and played college for four years and did some semi-pro stuff in the summers. And then after my senior season, I went to the USL Combine, which is like uh, like the championship, like right below the Premier League, mm -hmm. and got called into several preseasons. Um, and then I got released on the last day at both organizations and i was kind of like totally disenchanted with the sport went back to university to finish my degree and that's kind of when i started soccer or sorry when i started crossfit competitively like finishing my degree but 
I even got like a few calls after I like after those two teams had released me to like come back to preseason. And I was like, I'm so done with it. It was really political was my experience with it, at least in the USL in 2012 or I guess it was 2012. What do you mean by political? Like there was guys that got signed that I was obviously better than they just had a little bit more experience than me or they like knew the coaches or they knew the owners and that didn't I mean obviously I could have played better and not given them that opportunity but if it was like look these guys are the same and this this guy knows the owner or what like they're gonna pick him and that rubbed me the wrong way so it is what it is but yeah so I'm still like a massive soccer fan I'm a United fan and we're at the top of the league right now which is wonderful yeah uh it's been a while so hopefully we can hold on yeah i'm an arsenal fan so i'm not particularly Sorry. enjoying my life right now <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while since you guys have enjoyed my <laughs> yeah we're actually we're actually playing now i think we're playing uh playing crystal palace now and these are the types of games that's like you look at it at the start of the year thinking like definitely win that and then it comes up and it's like oh somehow we're losing four nil and it doesn't make any sense no it's nil all at the minute um I was looking up your history a couple of years ago um, when the year you finished 10th of the games. Yeah. So I was at that with my wife. And like, you know, I definitely would have in the past definitely been someone that's guilty of knowing like five male athletes and five female athletes and then like Rich Froning and just assuming like, well, I'll, I'll need, when I need to know the rest of them, they'll make it clear that I need to know who they are. Um, yeah. I've since developed like a larger interest. Um, but like fucking hell it's a pretty fucked up story like <laughs> like okay so you you're at the games you finished third in regionals and you're at the games in carson i think was it yeah, and then yeah. you had a great like rookie year finished 14th like looking good it's like this this guy is on the up he's coming and then two like ridiculously close uh repeats the next two years and then like is it is it difficult say having it like having the experience of podiuming at regionals being at the games and then like twice just being out of reach like i mean once you can kind of be like right okay i was so close i've obviously still got it i'll go again but then the second time must be really crushing like to 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 have to lift yourself again a third time to go again yeah so 15 I had a broken first rib, like a complete fracture of my first rib. Um, I did that like three weeks before regionals. I finished seventh, which isn't bad to like considering that, mm -hmm. but it was easier for me to like swallow the result of that weekend because there was massive impairment in my performance. Like we did a max hands, we did a bunch of overhead squats in that chipper my whole arm was numb because of the like the bone was like out of place uh we had a max handstand walk <laughs> same deal into a max snatch and if you go back and watch that video like that whole side collapses um so like it was like i did as best as i could with the tests that were given and mm -hmm. like i was losing some stability there man like not not all the bolts were in place uh to support 275 pounds of your head so uh, that was easier. 2016 wasn't. Um, 2016 kind of messed me up for a while. 
for a few reasons. Like I, I underperformed in a few workouts. I missed by like five points. It ended up being like point something seconds uh, from keeping me out of the games. And then they did the cross regional comparison and I finished sixth across all the regions in the world. And it was like, huh, I finished six in my region and six across the board. And I'm not at the games. Like it, we can talk about structure of the games and how it's been all over the damn place the whole time. CrossFit's been like a sport, but that was like, that ate, ate at me. Um, obviously it was on my shoulders. I underperformed in a few events, but also like, am I really chasing this sport that like the sixth best guy in the qualification process doesn't get to go to the world championships. And there's guys from other regions that are obviously not as good are going right. And there's a lot of things that go with making the games. Um, as far as sponsorship goes, monetary reward and in a sport that's still like growing, it's important to have that backing, right? Like making the games is a huge bonus and a lot of my endorsements. So mm. that messed me up for months afterwards. Like couldn't sleep, um, like probably mildly depressed, but you know, I got over it and I've been an athlete my whole life. So it's easy. That was probably like one of the tougher things I've had to deal with, but I was training throughout it, but it would wake me up at night, <laughs> like, which is pretty intense for anybody. But were you waking up like angry or upset or like was it like anxiety like or nauseous? <laughs> like re like waking up and just ugh, like and was there know. was there a catalyst that changed it then? Was there something that clicked that just kind of like you know brought things back into focus for you, or was it like well, a, yeah, kind of a gradual I, getting over of it? It was probably it was gradual, but I was still like I was immature, right. As a man. And it's just part of my development. I, uh, the next season was coming. Right. So it was always like horrible through the games of that year. Cause like, I thought I belonged there and by all measures I did belong there minus, you know, um, not qualifying through the, the that current regional structure but like i knew i was good enough to go to the games and perform well at the games and i think that's just self-belief that i've always had no matter the result uh sometimes the cards don't fall your way but the uh the next season was rolling up you know in a couple months so it was almost just like coping with it <laughs> after regionals through the games and then once the games ended that year i could refocus for the next season and then 2017 was kind of where it like spot like i got sick and had to retire yeah i like so this this is where i get really fucked up so like yeah uh, i was going through the years <laughs> let's get into it <laughs> i was going through the years on uh you know the, the the games website it tells you each year of the regionals each year of the games and there's like a gap and I was like, oh, that's weird. Maybe he must have had a niggle or, you know, something must have happened or whatever. And I Googled it and like fucking mentally, you were diagnosed with uh, kidney failure and an autoimmune disease when you went to Miami to take part in Wadapalooza. What the fuck happened? Yeah, man. So I prepped for Wadapalooza, um, which was in January 2017. Normal. I had podium there the, the year prior. Like it was... Miami's always a great place um, for me to compete, like historically. 
and uh, it doesn't hurt that like all my like my buddies always compete there. Like Travis and Noah are always there, um, who were like two of my close friends mm. in the sport. So it was like nice to like be with guys that you're buddies with, you know, in your training. So went down, um, was seem seemingly healthy uh, leading into it. Um, pr- like prep went well. Did the first event. Uh, which was assault on Fran, had a really bad reaction, like threw up from the workout. I don't typically or ever get sick from any hard fitness. Um, like went to the emergency guys that can be DMTs and stuff, and they didn't really do much for me. <laughs> so I went back and just like laid in the lounge chair the rest of the day and then finished the day of the event. So that night, um, I wake up and my back feels like it's on fire. We're like staying in the high rise downtown Miami. I wake my wife up. She's a nurse. And I'm like, hey, babe, like my back feels like it's on fire. Like it's horrible. And she's like, maybe it's like back pain because I've had like uh, bulging discs and all that crap that comes with this sport before. And you get like weird nervy sensations sometimes. So she's like, maybe it's your back acting up. And I was like, okay. So I went down to like the 7-Eleven. 3 a.m. on what was that Friday night and got some like indigestion stuff because I didn't know what was going on. Took it, went to bed. Uh woke up at seven to like cook breakfast and then do get ready for the day. And I had a one sip of coffee and like immediately went to the bathroom, was like throwing up. And I was like, this is this isn't good. And I told my wife was like, you need to go to the hospital. Like this, this is not normal. And I was I called Max as my coach and I was like, Hey man, so this is, this is a situation. Like, I don't know what's going on with me. And he's like, dude, you need to probably just go to the hospital. Like your wife's a health professional. Listen to her. And I was like, okay. So we went to the hospital and I couldn't, I hadn't like peed or anything in hours. So like you're filled up, but I couldn't. So in immense pain, like you feel like you're going to (laughs) explode. So I go, uh, to the hospital and they take my blood work and they're like look your ck levels are pretty high i didn't have rhabdo but your kidney function is like in the gutter we need to admit you um so i ended up staying in the hospital for six or seven days maybe it was longer um and during that time they wanted to take a biopsy of my kidney just to make sure everything was okay because uh, my like everything was trending in the right direction um, when I was rest, I mean, I was in bed rest just with an IV, but they took that biopsy and the doctor down there, um, who maybe had kind of a dogmatic approach to diagnosing people came in and was like, look, you have this kidney disease and you should probably retire from the sport just because of the demands it puts on your body. And, you know, if you want to have a long, healthy life. So I was like, what the like this is okay like i guess i'm done so i i made the decision then i can't really i guess it was there or i almost was like pushed out of it the sport it felt like like if i want to have a long healthy life with my wife my family like this is the smart decision to do so i stopped um came back to tennessee ended up selling the CrossFit gym that I owned with some friends and got a job in the uh, e-learning space doing consulting, like selling learning e-learning technology. 
uh, guy that went to my gym was like a really successful um, businessman in that world and was like, Hey, I want you to come work for me. So I did that for about a year. And like that, that must be like gut wrenching being told, no, sorry. Like that's it. You're done. And then, so like, like when your whole life to that point has centered around some kind of sport like soccer or CrossFit or whatever. And then, so like when you sell your gym, is that like, is that a decision made uh, to kind of shut the door on that part of your life? Like, I don't want to be around that because it's going to be too hard. Or is it like, you know, financial or like, like what brought you to to cut ties so severely, I guess? Yeah, I think I just needed it. I needed it to be, I needed to like purge that part of my life because it was everything for a long time. And that felt like the right thing. I was like, okay, well, maybe this is just my next step in my life. I've had a, a relatively successful athletic career. You know, I've done a lot of stuff that people will never know what it's like, or just been blessed with the ability in athletics to perform at a really high level or what people deem to be a high level. So that was, uh, I came to closure with the career part of it, uh, relatively quickly. Um, just because it's like, what's next? I guess that's kind of how I was in my sporting career, but I never really like I've any injury I've had, like I haven't always listened to the doctors. I've always done my own research because every like the human body is so unknown as much as we know, we still mm. don't know everything. So I was always doing my own research and I'd get blood work every two or three weeks during those that year that I was out of the sport and everything was trending right. Um, I changed my whole diet. Like I was doing everything I could to slow this disease. I thought I had down. Um, and I wasn't really training super hard. We were talking about doms like, and how bad that can be. I didn't ever get like that. Like I would be, I'd still train and I did some weightlifting. I ended up like qualifying for the USA nationals. Um, I didn't go, but like, I needed to like, I just lifted heavy weights and like did the the qualification um, as like some type of competitive that feeling well, why did you not go when you qualified well really i was pro- I probably would have gotten like there was 15 guys in my weight class i probably would have gotten like 15 <laughs> um some of those dudes are like snatching 350 and cleaning and jerking close to 400 pounds and i wasn't gonna go to chicago and spend all the money to like yeah, yeah. not win it was just kind of like a badge like okay i can do it uh I really had no interest in weightlifting. My friends were like, you should try this. Uh, so it would have been cool to go to Chicago, though, at, like given the knowledge you had at that point to be there. And then if you're in 15th, if anyone looked at you, you could be like, well, I've actually got an autoimmune disease and my kidney's eating itself. Yeah, <laughs> so, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm actually sick right now. Yeah. Um, Someone else misses the lift. You're like, what's your excuse? Yeah, exactly. No, nah, I mean, I've. I'm from Chicago originally, so there wasn't like an allure to go there and see the yeah, city yeah. or anything. Like I've just, I've been there a ton. Uh, I just, I didn't go. So um, how long passed then before you were told like, no, that guy fucked up. You're fine. Yeah. So that was August. I remember maybe it was September. I want to say it was August. Uh, I went and my, everything was great. Like, my kidney function was really, really, really high. Um, my blood pressure was really good. Uh, like all the metrics that they use for kidney health 
heart health because they're kind of one in the same. Um, at least from my understanding, we're awesome. And he like looked at my pathology report. I like downloaded it from the hospital that I was at in Miami. And he was like, look, there's no evidence of this. Like you might've had higher like IGA because of just the trauma, but it, you don't have, um, I don't think you have this kidney disorder. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, okay. Well, I wasn't totally happy with my job. I, it was rewarding financially and it was, uh, and I learned a lot, um, about just the corporate world and how it operates, which is valuable, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was right for me. Um, so I called Cass, who's my wife on the way home and I'm like, Hey, uh, so this is what the doctor told me. And I was like, I think I want to start like slowly ramping back into CrossFit and I was still working. So I worked until February, 2018 with that corporate company. Um, Leo learning is based in Brighton, England, actually. Um, so relatively close to you. Um, and hit max up and told him, Hey man, like, let's start rebuilding. So I like literally in my rebuilding process started like right during the open pretty much, uh, of 2018. And I didn't qualify for regionals, but like, dude, I was working nine to five, like training a little bit dealing with a lot of PTSD associated with training because in CrossFit it's, it's such a pain sport. So there's a moment in a workout where you can kind of push and go into the great unknown, or you can rev it, like you can throttle back and keep it comfy. And I was not comfortable exposing my body to that stress of like pushing it and really gaining adaptations. I was like, Last time I'd done that, I got real yeah. sick. So your body is almost like, okay, this is bad. Yeah, self-preservation. Uh, like, Yeah, so I almost had to like slowly give myself doses of like reaching a little bit and then stopping, reaching a little bit and stopping, um, which is an interesting process to go through. But I learned a lot about myself during that time too, um, physically and mentally, because you're dealing with like both <laughs> on all sorts of levels. So it's basically it like I suppose you're 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 fighting your your fight or flight instinct every time you do yeah. anything over like seventy percent, you know, yeah. RPE or whatever. You're basically like fighting against it. And is that, I guess, the bonus there is you've got Max who had known you previously, so knows what you're capable of at your best, and then knows what you've been through, and then knows that you're not gonna bullshit him and be like no i'm fine or knows that you're not going to say like no to doing something you know i guess it's it's good that you had him and it what that you didn't start yeah, out with so, someone new i guess yeah it was um it was like a friend at that point mm -hmm. right um and he was really conservative like he didn't necessarily want to work with me He's probably because, like, I almost killed him the last time. Yeah, yeah. So there was definitely that. He was like, dude, this guy will push himself to like the freaking hospital bed. Like, do I want to open that can of worms again? Um, but being a friend, like you're going to help your buddy out. So we were very strategic in how we pushed it. And I didn't really have an expectation of making it 
in 18, just like, I know what it takes to be at the top of this sport. And I was not putting in that work. Um, just because that wasn't where my focus was, but mm. leading into the next season, it was like, look, like training was going great. This is into the 19 season. Um, and all my, tra- all my metrics are games level at that point again. Uh, and you know, being, I have like friends who had been a, in the sport, even when I left, uh, who I could compare data with. And it just kind of keeps you, it reaffirms the work you're putting in is getting you closer to the goal again, which at that point was just qualifying for the games. Uh, so the 19 season went great. Um, minus, you know, blowing my hammy out at the games. Uh, like you, you, you say it went great. Like, I mean, fucking hell. So talk about a comeback. You like, first of all, the total, uh, an unknown season, I guess, where, I guess you're probably one of the few people that two opens in the year benefited because you had a chance, like a, a, a quicker chance to to do something when October rolled around. But then like you finished third in the Mid-Atlantic and third in Iceland and won Brazil. And I finished second in Iceland. That homie was cheating. <laughs> and I would have got my ticket there if he wasn't freaking juicing up. No, but then you wouldn't have got to go to Brazil. True, true. And Brazil was cool. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed South America. But like, were you anticipating that? Obviously, you're comparing metrics with other people. Uh, so you got like Noah and Travis and people to kind of keep an eye on and compare to and stuff. Like, are you anticipating that kind of payoff though in your first year back, or did that seem maybe further away when you're in the depths of your training? Um, I just i I wasn't sure where I was because compete like in the gym. It, my metrics were elite by all stretches of the imagination. Um. Like I'm snatching 300 pounds and cleaning over 350, 360 pounds. Like all I ran a sub five mile that year. Like everything was like, okay, you can do it, man. You just got to have the opportunity. So when I like the new season came out um, and you can do all these sanctioned events, I was like, cool. I get to travel the world. I get to compete. I need to compete because I hadn't competed in two years, like, and it's just different to be in the game, in the warm-up area, the intensity's higher, fueling's a big, like, how are you going to fuel throughout the weekend? Fueling at 28, 29 is different than 26, 25. Like, it's just, I need to relearn what my body needed for competition weekend. So I, I was like, let's just go. Let's do as many as we can until we get the ticket. So I was leading mid-atlantic all weekend and then i bonked on sunday and it was like i just didn't have the juice i wasn't used to the intensity for three days in a row over 11 events or whatever it was um and i dropped down the third so i um sat down with my wife max and my nutritionist and i was like look this like what, what can we do to improve on that performance because i had my chance to win it and I bonked. So what do we do? So the training was great. My headspace was relatively good, but it was nutrition. So I sat down with Jamie free. Who's 27 health and wellness is my nutritionist. He's been my nutritionist for a while. He actually owns the gym. I go to, there's one of the owners. Um, and we boosted up everything and I was like, okay, I'm going to Iceland. And I guess it was May, which was like the next, like three weeks later, made those adjustments. Um, 
was really intentional about all of that the whole time I was there. And that competition went great. I had a, I, it was different because there's so much going on. Like mid Atlantic, I was leading all weekend and then I bonked Sunday Iceland. I was, I got like 20th on the first event and had to like climb my way back up. So I was really getting a lot of experience about what it's like to lead for the whole weekend, what it's like to have to make a comeback. And it was like, okay, you're getting rapidly adjusting to the sport again. Um, And I left Iceland being like, man, I like really performed well. I was nauseated because I missed by one spot again. And like, but as far as once I got over that initial like emotional moment where you just didn't make it, you were just so close. uh, I refocused quickly for Brazil and it was like, what can you do better down there? Um, And it's totally different because I was in a hotel in Brazil versus a, um, an Airbnb in Iceland. I wasn't cooking my own food in Brazil. I was in Iceland. Um, so it's just like a little bit different, but Brazil went well. Um, and then like two weeks after that, I got the call that like I would have qualified in Iceland. Um, so yeah, it was good, man. It was, it was, the goal was to improve every event. And I went three, two, one, which is, you know, that's all I could do. And then uh, the games went well. Um, when you say there, sorry, when I said that you finished third in Iceland, you corrected me pretty quickly. Like, when you get the call from, I assume, HQ or whatever, saying, like, oh, you actually would have finished second in Iceland, like, are you, like, pissed off that, obviously, you get the experience of going to Brazil, and from what I've heard and seen, it was, like, fanatical support down there like it was fucking loud. oh yeah um and then as well i guess as a like a soccer a former soccer player a soccer fan it's a cool country to go to for that as well but totally yeah are you like when you get that call are you like fuck's sake like i yeah like, so, i had my i had it and i didn't realize i had it or obviously you're not gonna yeah, wait around on the that, off chance but so that like missing out and being so close the that event in iceland was like maybe my favorite event of all time um run professionally like the culture there was great i got a lot of fanfare there which makes it makes it better in my memory but like they were just so great to me um annie and frederick crushed it organizing it i think new was um one of the guys behind that but yeah so that like exposure and loss was reminiscent of 2016 for me um being so damn close and like just not freaking closing the door. But I dealt with it a lot quicker because I'd been there before. Mm. Um, and in, in some sense, like I just, I was fortunate to have the opportunity to compete again, you know, and I was just grateful for that. And I wasn't like I was performing poorly. Like I was on the podium everywhere mm. I went. It was just like, the golden nugget I was just missing out on. So uh, I actually got back to when they told me that uh, that dude popped for drugs. Um, Paul Tremblay messaged me and he, he was like, man, holy shit. Did you see what happened? And I was like, no, like, what's up, dude? And I was laying in bed like this is after Brazil. Like I, I was actually in my D load after Brazil before I started games prep. And he goes, uh, Henrik is the guy who failed the drug test. 
popped. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And then like the next 10 minutes, I got like 900 <laughs> messages and I was like, well, I mean, I got to win and winning feels good. Like stand on top of the podium feels really nice. And I got to see a whole new country and leading into Brazil, I got to spend some time with one of my buddies, Noah, like in Miami training, which is like a cool thing. Um, so there's a lot of positives. Like I got to travel the world with my family. Yeah. I guess it would have been harder to take if you were sat at home, you know, like, yeah, like if if I was robbed, I think of like Pat at the games where he's standing beside the podium instead of, it is, it is gone. Like it would have been a much specialer moment if I had been like, okay, you qualified here. Um, and I had a lot of people rooting for me over him in Iceland, a lot of Icelandic people, which was an interesting position to be in. Yeah. Um, like the, he, I guess like, didn't like, I don't know that he had like a lot of friends there from his past. Uh, and that's a very proud country and, you know, they're obviously phenomenal at what they do in the sport. Uh, so it would have been really cool. Cause I was getting like, embraced by a, a, a culture in a country that's nothing that i'm used to mm. um so i think i was adopted to the viking culture at that point <laughs> but uh yeah it, it, it sucked and i did lose like out on that um moment because it was it would have just been really special mm. uh it's always special to like reach your goals uh but i didn't i had that moment in brazil so yeah. And I was on top of the podium. Yeah, yeah. So that felt good. I just had to go through like a whole weekend of suffering. <laughs> you um at the games then, I remember um after the sprint event in the Coliseum, mm. I was with my wife and like we were in the nosebleed. So like, you know, we spent a while trying to figure out who it was. But like seeing you standing on the side, like when the when the people were coming out for the lift and like everyone's like jogging out and waving and stuff. And you're kind of like much less enthusiastically moving out. And then for most of the events you're coming out and like waving and, you know, waiting for three, two, one go. And then just like walking off. Cause yeah, yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Like you're eight heading into the clean event and then like walking out and like, it's actually, I actually rewatched it today. And I was like, God, I feel so fucking sorry for him because like, it's it's gut-wrenching when something happens like something that's just out of your control like you had to send it on the sprint you did and like you qualified but then paid a- i didn't you didn't i didn't like so i was safe after i after i got to the semifinals i was in i mean i i think i was sitting in seventh in like leading into the sprint and then i needed to get like top 15 in the sprint to get okay. to the top end and the sprint event i had no stress like that was my that was my event hmm. even actually funny story before that they were like briefing us about don't step on the line and don't like whatever follow the rules um dave and uh boz one of the yeah boz was probably there and, and chuck were all there and like who do you think is going to win this and they were like Scott's going to win it. Somebody's going to win it. And I was like, no, I'm going to win this event. Like, I was like, like, what sport? You played soccer? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to win this event. All these football players aren't going to win anything. 
and I called my shot and I think I had the fastest time leading into the final. Um, and then I blew it out in the final, which sucked because I was in like, instead of being, if I would have won the sprint, I would have been in third leading into like the weekend. If I got fifth, like I did, I could have freaking walked the track. <laughs> I was in fifth. So fifth overall. Yeah. Um, so I, but that's not in your head. You're not like, I'm going to blow my hamstring out better, yeah. better just pace this one, buddy. Like you're at the CrossFit games, you're yeah. sending it. So, uh, when you walk out and you're, you're like, you step up to the platform, I think that the heartbreaking thing for me watching it was like that you had to pretend like you were going to actually attempt to clean it, yeah. even though you knew it was impossible and then had that- to, had to stand there while the clock runs down and you like yeah. it, it just looked like painful to watch like is that a difficult the worst moment in my one of the one of the worst moments in my sporting career you're like yeah, the center you can, of you can the see whole it on your face like walking out you could see the the look like you look kind of close to tears to be honest that like what yeah. was happening around you and i guess that kind of like it gets compounded each time then does it yeah yeah the worst part about it was like, I thought I had a shot to contend that year. Um, everything was hitting, uh, all and, and the way the events played out the rest of the weekend, it, it would have been a really, really competitive weekend for me, but man, that's sports. Like if I didn't go all out, then I wouldn't have been on that stage. Like if I didn't push my body to the absolute limits, I wouldn't earn, you know, what I've earned in this sport. So sometimes like shit happens and it in the moment. Yeah, it sucks. But I was like, man, what am I going to do? Like I was already thinking about next season. I'm like, I like had already called my doctor back home and like got treatment set up during the game. Still. I was like, you, they were like, dude, don't push it. Like if you tear that thing completely or tear it off the bone, like that's a long recovery. Like that could be done done. So when you can have a healthy perspective and not be emotional about it and try to be objective, it made it easier. It does it suck because there's 30,000 people watching it happen. <laughs> yeah. But all the athletes got it. And those are like, as, as a pro, like for me, it's about, it's about me and it's about like the respect of my peers and, um i think i have that in the sport so i everybody knows i made the right decision uh whether if you're really in the sport like there were people like you should have pulled out all this shit and i'm like dude this is the deal i asked before every event is there a minimum work requirement no okay like i'm not withdrawing like you you get paid for this it's just like you get paid for your job and you're not gonna like pull out and let the b team guy come in who didn't make the cut and take your paycheck and not get paid so that's part of it who Um, who finished 11th uh cole sager do you ever say anything to you about it no no i heard like there was maybe some like shit where he was like pissed that i didn't pull out cole's a good guy i it's hard for me to see that he would actually be mad at yeah, me. You could, you could accept it being said maybe the day of, or, you know, like that, like the kind of emotional reaction, I guess. Like that's what it was probably. Cause he was like, I mean, everybody's like, you're in the heat of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then like Trav was in 12th. So, 
and Trav is like one of my best friends in the sport. So that, that wasn't an issue, but, um, did it piss you off having to like turn up at, you know, to stand in your lane at each event or were you just kind of like, I'll do this for like till the end. It's grand. Uh, I was just like, get through the weekend. Yeah. It was just kind of like, just get this over with. Um, it's a remarkable turnaround, really, when you say there that, say, the the end of your other stories, like there's a there's a gradual improvement in like mindset throughout. So, you know, you go back to the story of regionals, and you're like, I uh, fucking waking up sick in the middle of the night over that, and then Iceland is like, yeah, it was pretty annoying, like, but you know, I had Brazil and blah, blah, whereas this one, you're like already setting yourself up for future successes in the midst of the crisis. And you're already saying like, you know, that sport, fuck it, it happens. Like, you know, I'm not going to half arse an event or whatever. So it's like, it is, it's it, kudos on your, your self-improvement because that's, that's a remarkable turnaround for in whatever, four years to go from waking up sick in the middle of the night to calling your doctor halfway through an event being like, yeah, I'm going to need some help next week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. And that's becoming a real professional. Um, and that's a lot of work that I did with myself and working through my processes and how I'm going to, like how I'm going to manage my existence. Um, and right now it's as a pro athlete. Uh, but it's also was through, you know, like talking with my family, talking with my friends, um, and just finding a, a healthier perspective. And yeah. Uh, like the, going back to the kidney thing, like before that, I wouldn't like go hang out with my friends if they were going out or I wouldn't. Um, I was just like I isolated myself because I thought that's what I needed to do um, to be the best. And I didn't have a lot of balance. So when I had to leave the sport and I was like, oh, man, like I started hanging out with my friends who I hadn't hung out with in like a lot forever like my college teammates and stuff. And it kind of gave me the perspective on like that make, made me happier on a lot of levels, like to just leave work at work, spend time with my family and friends when I'm with them and just be more present in whatever situation I'm in. Uh, so I think through experience, right, you should learn. And if you're not, then... I don't know. I, I try to learn from experience, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, man, it was, uh, it's been a roller coaster, uh, and I've learned a lot it, in a perfect world. If I never got hurt and I've always performed great, you know, who knows, but that hasn't been my story, Yeah, but up I'm until, better from it. So, yeah. Up until recently, you like, so you mentioned Max and training think tank a few times there, like, and then you've been with them until recently. And then, this week you were confirmed with proven along with yeah. Alec Brooke under Shane's tutelage. What brought about the change? Yeah. So I've been with Max since after the games in 14. Um, and up until rogue, we were working together like every, um, every week, you know, training, talking, all this stuff. And, uh, nothing bad happened. I, I just was like, like Brooke hit me up and was like, Hey, I'm moving to Nashville. Do you want to train? And I was like, of course. So we trained a little bit and then I did all her games prep with her. 
during that time, like I wasn't getting programming from Max or anything. And um, I was just kind of in contact with him about what I was doing, how my body's feeling, all this stuff, just like normal stuff. Uh, and that was all Bergeron's. Then after the games um, finished, B was going to make a change. Street and Alec had moved into town. Um, and then we were kind of restructuring. We were figuring out what we were going to do for this season. And for me, like I coach too for a living. Like I have a, I have a nice little stable of athletes. Um, so I, I have an appreciation for uh, training environments. And again, I, I put a lot of thought into it. And I was like, you know what? Like for me at this point in my career, it's more enjoyable and it's more advantageous to have high level training partners every day of the week, every session, um, to have in-person coaching or guidance. Um, and I just wanted to make the move just, just for that. Like it just is fun to be a part of something in my gym. And it all came to Trivium, which is the gym I train out of, which is like so awesome. So I, uh, I made the decision. It wasn't like an easy decision. It wasn't anything that TTT did wrong. If nothing, if nothing, they did everything right. Uh, and I'm still great friends with Max and Trav and Noah and all them. Um, I just professionally for me, I think it was a chance to grow. Like I pick up, I've, I've learned so much from training think tank and Max and all their processes I picked up a little bit working through Bergeron's games prep with B and then now I get to work with Shane. So I'm really kind of just trying to be a sponge as far as training uh, philosophies go. And obviously being an athlete myself, there's another perspective apart from just like writing the programming, like all those guys I mentioned, they just write the program. They don't actually do the program. So, um, I'm just trying to learn a lot. It's going to make me a better coach. It's going to make me a better athlete. And uh, I'm super blessed to have the training environment that I'm with every day. I mean, that's actually another games athlete just moved to town, um, John Colty. So that's me, B, Street, Alec, Colty. That's five games athletes. And then uh, um, we have some sanctioned level athletes also at trivium so the two guys that own trivium are pretty good as well aren't they yeah and they're masters guys and yeah. they both have a shot to make the games um jamie free and then nate dodd so it's it's studded out and the community there is awesome um yeah. i assume as well then the long-term plan is keep ta around close to nashville and then you can all make a play for the affiliate cup then whenever you feel yeah <laughs> yeah hey who knows man <laughs> I'm going to enjoy the indie world as long as I can, but, and I've always said I'll never do team, but I'm sure like if the right opportunity arises, it might yeah. be fun. Um, was it, was it, it hard with like essentially growing up in the sport or maturing in the sport, maybe with training think tank and then Noah and Travis, is it hard to kind of like, you know, obviously you're still friends, like you're wearing Noah's hat, you know, you're obviously still in contact. And stuff. Oh yeah. But um, help you help your your buddies out. <laughs> is it hard to, to kind of walk away from that, like into I guess what's essentially a, like a bit of an unknown? I know you know like 
Brook and you trust her and you've you've seen the programming and stuff, so you have a vague idea of what it's like and whatever, and you know Shane's got a track record, but like to walk away from maybe that like comfortable environment, I guess. Yeah, for me, I it it was almost a complacency maybe with the TTT situation. Um, if I'm being honest, and I wanted to be uncomfortable yeah. and I need that in order to grow. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, essentially that's what happens in every hard workout, right? It's really, really uncomfortable, but you'll be better from it. So I don't know that it was hard. It wasn't hard for me because it was a professional decision. It wasn't like my friendships were on the line with Max or Trav or Noah, like, or any of the other coaching coaches at TTT. Um, it was, look, I have the opportunity to work with one of the best coaches in the game, if not the best. And I'm surrounded by everybody else who's chasing the same thing as me in the same room. And I'm a part of something that's tangible. Like remote coaching is great. And, and I have, I coach a ton of athletes remotely, but most of them have a training cell. And I coach the whole training cell. So they're together and they're doing it all together until now it's been me doing the program or me and one other person doing the program. Mm. Um, So the, it was just a, it was a fresh opportunity. It was something that's going to challenge me. Um, It's interesting as well. Like we, we said earlier, I said earlier, how you change your mindset from, you know, like reacting, I guess, volatilely to situations that were coming up and stuff but you've also kind of swung full circle of i need to train on my own that's what you need to do to get better that's what i've heard that's what i've seen so that's what i'm going to do i'm going to isolate myself no friends no no you know i cut myself Mm -hmm. off and now you've come full circle back to like you know you've got a group of like-minded individuals around you and you're immersing yourself in it like so it's great and i guess if training in trivium um and you got tia dropping in and brooke and alec are there like there's obviously a fucking shipping container of noble stuff out the back as well so that doesn't hurt yeah yeah it doesn't hurt yeah we got we got all this stuff but <laughs> the uh and don't get me wrong i like sitting in my cold garage and getting some training in solo um it's I like was gonna uh, say like so, yeah, meditation in, for in me. your stories you train so you train at trivium a good bit with the guys and Brooke, yeah. and then you train in your home as well is that like convenience or is it to kind of challenge yourself to have you know i guess different environments or maybe unpredictable yeah. things happening a lot of it's schedule, right? Yeah. Because uh, sometimes, like everybody, you know, has their life. We 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 typically train. I'd say ninety percent, maybe eighty percent of the time together, um, unless somebody's out of town. But yeah, or like with the whole COVID situation, like if somebody at the gym has it, I've been really cautious of that. Like I haven't had it. A bunch of people at the gym have had it, and I just don't. I don't really want to be sick. So like if something happens at the gym, like I'll take a few days and just train at the house. Yeah. Um, it's a luxury, man. I have everything I need here. So, uh, and the sauna's right there <laughs> and my dog, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a luxury. Um, and I like, sometimes I like the solitude of the suffering. It's just, you get to really learn about yourself and what you're willing to do when there's not, accountability around you're your only accountability so i training with a group by like 
is way better um, for the majority of training. But say I have like a bunch of C2 bike intervals um, in the PM, I can just do that at the house. And that's all the suffering you can handle, man. <laughs> but it's good. You know, you can feel yourself getting better. You can be present with yourself where sometimes like if we're doing a CrossFit Metcon, everybody's racing and you know that's great and that's making you better because you pull each other along but it's important to do both ways i've heard like stories i don't know how true these are or not of like obviously there's a shit ton going on here so we're not going to poke too much into it but i've heard stories of like uh matt and rich when they started training together that there was like you know one of us is going to die if we keep like racing (laughs) each other like is there ever a danger that with you guys that it's like okay we seriously need to pull it back a little bit because we're going we're like we're going too hard all the time. Yeah. Um there's way like I think that the way Shane writes programming and, and the proven team writes programming is in such a way where we're not doing that every session. Um just based on the structure. So it's done but, in, in awareness that you will be in the same room. So like they consciously avoid yeah. it, I guess. Yeah, I honestly think it's been good practice for me to just stay in my own lane because I'm pretty dialed in my processes and how I approach each training session and each piece of training where some of the people with me just are very like can just react and be great athletes and aren't as cerebral about it. So I have it's been a good exercise in like writing down what my intentions are for this Metcon paces what how many times i'm going to break am i going to go unbroken what times per round whatever i'm doing and that's the accountability that way i don't start out way too hot and then fizzle out like i can just stay in my lane and and be intentional about each part of training that because that's what's best for me and ultimately like it's an individual sport and i need to do what's best for me um when we're in in the game not necessarily like what's best for the training culture because that's just like scheduling communication and all that stuff. And we're, our crew is great at that, but it's, it can be easy or it could be easy to get caught up in racing and like not really training, um, just reacting. So it's just a, a higher level of consciousness that's constantly challenged in that environment which is good because it's just like a competition like you gotta stay in your lane and there's there's times that you can use people to like help your pacing but there's times you need to do your own thing too so yeah i assume you don't want to get in a gymnastics race with alec in the middle of yeah yeah it depends it depends what we're doing it or what it's paired with but he is ridiculous her uh it's like handstand walking with him and brooke they're like two best in the world at it in the sport like just it's awesome shoes, just put shoes on your hands and, exactly uh, yeah. like they it's it's making me better um yeah. and that's i mean that's the biggest thing and yeah, that's one of the big things like you have so many athletes that are like near the best at specific disciplines um you learn from each other you push each other um you want each other to do well like it's just a healthy environment and um everybody's on the same page so it's yeah. pretty cool one of my friends signed up with proven um this week and he i was oh, like man. you know i was like show me a day like i'm curious like to see what a day looks like or whatever and he sent it to me and it was like six screenshots 
and I was yeah. like, he like he he sent me. He was like, that's one day. And then his next question was, I'm not fucking doing it all. He was like, <laughs> I need to ease myself in. He was like, I could die if I did all of that one go. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it looks it looks cool. Um, how are you feeling about the changes then to continentals and moving back towards, I guess, more of that kind of funneling system? I guess the 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 kind of um hangover is a wrong word but maybe the remnants of the sanctionals is the the idea of the last chance you know that that kind of little bonus yeah. event at the end will be good i mean we'll see how it plays out uh, ask me again after the season is <laughs> over right but the uh because every year it changes and it's like a crapshoot i like the sanctional structure better um minus the national champions thing i just thought that was too busy uh like a bunch of people probably shouldn't have been at the world championships that were there but uh the sanctioned event structure gave it more of a tour sport feel and i think that's what would probably be best for the sport um there's more earning opportunities sorry my dog came up i can hear like him yeah <laughs> breathing in the breathing in the microphone it's a big dog too yeah he sounds yeah. enormous yeah. oh my days <laughs> so he looks um, so pissed off he's like you yeah. said this would take an hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like i gotta take his shit um so yeah i liked the structure um of the sanctionals now there should have been requirements around prize purses um there should have been requirements around programming um and cl- clarity of rules because that was something that was always like crazy where at the regionals everything's really concise mm-hmm. um or crossfit could have had more of a hands-on approach uh, apart from that like the sanctionals were great you got to travel the world um you got to meet really more of a vast amount of the crossfit community mm-hmm. where i won't now other than the games uh where who knows if the games are even going to be in person this year, you know, so it might be a few years till it's back normal all the way. Like what mm-hmm. just got canceled, but the, uh, the new structure could be cool, man. I mean, they're just trying, like the times are crazy and you got to be respectful of every country, right? Because it's an international sport. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, the, the sanctional structure wouldn't have worked in the climate right now because of shutdowns and all of this madness. So uh, they did, I think, what is best for right now. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm choking. But nice. the, uh, it looks like everything's going to be online. And I think there's a chance that these continentals might be online based on how everything looks in, what will that be, May or June? when those uh semifinals come out i mean who knows so yeah like it's a funny one because you kind of I, I know like say here over the christmas we like they were like oh uh there's a vaccine and it's going to be rolled out and blah blah so like maybe naively i kind of got in my head i was like oh sure by easter like everything will just be back yeah. to normal and then like our, i i teach like and i'm teaching from home at the minute because our schools are all closed and i said all along we're supposed to be back on february 1st and I said all along, I'd be shocked if we're not back before February 1st. Like, I can't see us being out that long. And my wife's like, no, I think it could be longer. Like, and then on the news, there, there's actually, there's an app where you can predict in Ireland. I don't know if this is a worldwide thing, 
but you can predict, uh, you put in your details and it tells you where in the queue you are for the vaccine. Vaccine, yeah. Uh, Ireland was like worse in the world this week, right? Yeah, yesterday. It's fucking shit show. We were wor- <laughs> Tennessee was worse in the world a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, Tennessee is probably Crazy. twice the size of Ireland. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, my wife, we're both teachers and she put in our details and it was like fucking August or something by the time we'll get our vaccine. So that kind of, now there are more vaccines coming Damn. out and stuff. So hopefully like, you know, things, you know, we'll, we'll remain hopeful. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm like the last person in line, which like it's just, they're, they're, they're doing it like age, obviously like healthcare workers. My wife's a nurse, so she got hers. Um, at least that's one less thing for you to worry about then like bringing it home to her yeah like bringing yeah. it home yeah so that's definitely I wonder like, could you dig up your um your renal failure chart sheet and, like, high pretend. risk baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I'm not gonna force it I feel like there's probably people that need it more than yeah, me yeah yeah that's fair um, being like selfish athlete like would it be nice to go through the season and not get COVID yeah yeah <laughs> but um, there's definitely people that need it more than me as far as like high risk people, age, like age group, like my mom's in her sixties. She definitely needs it more than I do. Yeah. Um, so you just need to be respectful of that, but hopefully it gets expedited. Um, I don't know like what all the holdbacks are and stuff. I think they're saying once 70% of people are vaccinated, then there could be some type of like immunity. Heard me but, man, that. I'm not a, i'm not a disease expert but yeah, i think it's similar to me. i think it's similar to people who don't get their kids vaccinated for you know like yeah. measles or whatever that if the rest yeah. of the primary school class or elementary school class are all vaccinated your kid will be fine because no one else yeah. can have it you know i think that's the the logic but that's the know. deal yeah. yeah so we'll see man I've, I've know so many people that have had it I'm like kind of surprised I haven't had it. Maybe I've had it and been asymptomatic. Maybe, yeah. Um, the one time I was like in really close contact with people that I know of, um, I got tested and I was negative. So I was like, huh. Like every time I have a headache or like I'm tired, I'm like, oh, I got it. Yeah, this is like a running joke in our house where if me or my wife sneeze or cough, the other person just walks out of the room. Dude, have you seen the new Kevin Hart? No, not yet. Oh, you got to watch the new Kevin Hart. He's got a whole skit about COVID and like that whole thing and how it like is changed the way people communicate in society. It's hilarious. Yeah, I, I've been in shops where it's like the new holding in a fart where you need to cough and you're like, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you like cough and you're like, sorry, I was getting something caught in my throat. <laughs> yeah. I, I was in a, I was in a shop before and I had to sneeze and I was wearing a mask and like, I don't know why, but I just was kind of like, I'm wearing a mask so it's fine so I just sneezed I didn't do anything with my hands I just sneezed and my wife came over and was like you need to cover your face when you're sneezing and I was like I'm wearing a mask and she was like yeah but people think that you're not wearing a mask because your back is turned to them and then you sneeze and they think you're just sneezing out into the air she was like those two old women were giving out about you until you turned around and they saw your mask I was just like all right okay so there's a set of like rules that you need to follow but in fairness I probably put my hand up but I just I think I was holding shopping but anyway um Look, we finish on a quick fire. Yeah. They're mainly either or. Um, yeah. So bike or run? Run. Uh, row or ski? Ski. Snatch or clean? Snatch. Alec or street? <laughs> no comment. <laughs>